You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Good to have you here. The time has come to talk about remote work. You're probably doing it. Your employees, if you have any, are probably doing it. If you're hiring someone, chances are it'll be remotely. Lots of people work in person too. It's just remote is more relevant to our industry, to our industry. I suppose I'll get us the definition for it, just in case. Remote work, aka telecommuting, aka e-work, is where an employee is able to work from wherever they choose, resulting in a decentralized company structure. What I've done for you today is I've searched up a swath of different pro and con lists from the web and condensed the information into one super list. Since many of them brought up the same points, it's somewhat amalgamated. Links to all the sources are provided in the show notes, as always. What I'd suggest for you is to decide what lens to see this through. If it's a work-in-office versus work-from-home dichotomy, there are advantages to working in the office. So you can consider it a point-counterpoint breakdown. If you're looking to be convinced as to the value of remote work, you can certainly find that here. But I would say, in earnest, the real objective here is to solidify why remote work, or e-work, is here to stay. It's fundamental now to the workforce, and I, for one, am not going anywhere. Did you get it? Of course you got it. I don't don't know why I would doubt you. Since I've talked about it before, let me first go through a few points I've made about remote work from previous episodes. First, try to segment working space from living space, even if that means just getting a divider if your bed is a foot away from your computer like a certain someone. Two, go for a walk once your shift is done. Let's you mimic the feeling of coming home from work. So we're going to do this category-based, and we're going to start with the financial costs. A plus, companies save money by letting their employees telecommute. DigitalMarketingPhilippines.com, which I'll be referring to as DMP, have some stats to share. Granted, they're from 2015, but consider how effective the decisions were there compared to how much more remotely we're working five years later. Some companies saved on average 10,000 US dollars a year. Specifically, Nortel, a telecommunications company, saved $100,000 per employee. McKesson, a pharmaceutical company, saved $2 million per year. It doesn't specify that's $2 million per employee, so I'm going to imagine that was in total, in aggregate. Aetna, A-E-T-N-A, a health insurance company, saved $78 million from their real estate and location-based costs. And IBM, a computer company that you probably know of, saved $50 million annually. A second plus, GrooveHQ.com compares the cost of an office space, which includes furniture, electricity, business quality internet access to the cost of running a virtual team, including Slack, which is $8 US per person per month, Zoom, which is $14.99 per host per month, G Suite at $12 per pop monthly, and Trello at $9.99 per person, sorry, I got tongue-tied, $9.99 per person per month, and Calendly at $8 per person per month. The next plus, employees, according to vacationtracker.io, don't need to spend money on travel, whether they drive, take the train, or the bus. Blog.jostle.me also points out that employees are saving money as well by being less tempted to buy food at the food court, and Uber delivery is a premium, believe me, I know firsthand. However, there is a downside from the employee's perspective. While they are saving a great deal of money in time, which we'll get to, the time part, the operating costs can be increased on the employee's end, 
Say, for instance, you're paying utilities. By leaving your home for 40 hours a week plus travel, the utility bill is fronted by the company. But if you're at home, your computer is going to be on a lot more than you might be used to. And if you're provided equipment from the company, as I have been from the past, you're still paying the electricity bill and need to invest in stronger, more reliable internet, which is a good investment anyways, but still something to keep in mind. It'll all come down to how well you can write this off. DMP.com points out the reduced cost of daily commutes for the employees, but also points out that there's less overall need for costly business trips, which also make it a financial point, but business trips are also massive time sinks. You got jet lag, and you got people being taken out of their work routine and are put up in hotels for conferences. Commuting also carries with it additional risks. Without needing to bring up the issue of COVID-19, there's also the day-to-day dangers of having to contend with traffic, weather, various jams, the public, and any other number of equipment or infrastructure malfunctions related to these. These variables are chaotic and are essentially impossible to fully have a grasp on. The next point, GroovHQ.com, points to a specific instance where when their servers had a major breakdown, they were able to address the issue right away. If they weren't working remotely, everyone would have had to head to the office first before they could resolve the issue. But on the other hand, here are some negatives for you. If something urgent comes up, the person you need to fix the issue could be fast asleep. Your 12 p.m. could be there at 3 a.m. Time zones are one of the biggest hurdles, which ties into having a global staff. The more disparate the locations of the employees, the harder it's going to be to coordinate for meetings, leaving someone to have to get up far earlier or stay up far later than intended. Time management is the other issue. Blog.jostle.me refers to the employee side, but it can go for anyone. Working remotely means there is less authority. A lot of people coming from our educational institutions are used to having an authority figure nearby to keep the peace, turn to for assistance, and ensure everyone is working. It's a different beast being on your own with only yourself to track. This is true for both regimented jobs where you have to clock into your shift or freeform where you have deadlines. It's more obvious for the latter, but for the former, I can tell you firsthand how tempting it is to nod off a few minutes here or there on YouTube when no one is around to check in on what you're doing. In both instances, a time tracker tool would help to alleviate this issue. I have no problem admitting I will take breaks between writing scripts and so on and so forth. With a time tracker tool, I hit the stop button and I go do my thing. I come back and do my other thing. Next subject is talent pool. And by that, I mean specifically the employee figuring out who they're going to hire. First point, dmp.com points out an interesting take on the generations. Baby boom. Baby boomers, who are experienced and highly skilled, may be more driven to the position due to the increased desire for work-life balance. Generation Y, who are arguably the first leading technically-minded generation, would be easier to attract if remote work were an opportunity. Millennials and Gen Z at this point, in my summation, treat remote as a default. The next plus, dmp.com, also says remote-based companies can swiftly expand their operations, so it's easy to scale or recede if the situation calls for it. Another plus, GrooveHQ.com points to one method wherein they try to keep their employees remote at all, local. First, they try to find others within Newport, Rhode Island. It didn't take. So they went with just within the rest of the country. That worked for a while, but then eventually they've gone worldwide. From a cultural perspective, it's a good idea, especially depending on the product you're selling and the brand you're conveying. You may want to try and keep the staff local so they understand the brand roots blog.jostle.me is also keen to point out that remote work leads to reduced company turnover. This is a study from 2014, but we can extrapolate based on the increased prominence of working remotely. 
76% of remote workers are more willing to work overtime and feel more loyal to their company, while 80% reported a better work-life balance. So, as good as the potential candidates are, you might not find yourself needing to go fishing as often as you thought. The next plus, webpunch.com, also points out that there is no need for relocation costs. And while it wasn't mentioned specifically as a pro on their list, vacationtracker.com's article also mentions that people with disabilities can find more opportunities than before, evening them out with the rest of the talent pool. Alright, some negatives. Although the talent pool is vast, and English is one of the most common languages worldwide, he says, heaving a sigh of relief, there are language barriers both large and small. Large in that a whole array of people are simply unusable if they can't communicate. And then there is the ability for everyone to understand one another, but not necessarily comprehend one another. People share different sources of humor and insights, and so what one culture might find acceptable, another may not. So you gotta be careful. A second negative, according to LawDepot.com, is that not everyone looking for remote work is qualified, even if that's what they think. They might be exquisitely skilled and competent, but may find they are at a loss for direction. They may feel disregarded and lonely. I don't know much about the science between extrovert and introvert, but I can understand if, theoretically, an extrovert needs to be around coworkers in person in order to fill their tank. Another reason why they may not be qualified is although they may have the skills and the character, they might not have the room at home to work, or their internet connection may not be up to speed. I, ha I have to say, I think the barrier for entry is pretty low on that one point about internet, but I don't know, that feels like an assumption that's not mine to make. Let's focus next on employee relationships with the company and the work itself. Alright, so here's the pluses for you. DMP.com referenced Cisco Systems, an IT company. They reported an increase of $195 million in a single year as a result of happier, more productive employees. They then indicate the absences are reduced because employees who aren't feeling well enough to come in to work may feel well enough to work from home. Maybe a bit slower, but much more productive than not being able to work at all. And it's not like it's the company trying to take advantage of the employee. It could be that the employee is the one that's determined to work and really it's either be sick, work at home, or don't do anything. So you also have workers are more flexible. Since not everyone is peak productive during a regimented block of time. Could be you do your best work at 9.30pm on a Saturday, who cares, as long as the work gets done. Next, introverted workers may be more productive at home than in an office. Let's face it, and by the way, this is one of mine. Oftentimes, being in a workspace together can lead to more socializing than productivity. I'm going to go out of a limb and be truthful here. I mean, I'm always truthful, but you know, there's different, different, different scales of it, I guess. Being around coworkers all day can lead to inter-office politics. I've been in situations where I did not like the people I worked with, or for, and people can bully one another. It's one of the reasons why I preferred working directly with clients for so long. If I didn't get along with a client, they could, and were, phased out. Bullying in the workplace is an issue, and it's not as obvious as is depicted on TV. Sometimes it creeps up as one person gives ground and another takes. People can be small-minded. If you want to talk to me more about this, I'd like to hear from you, however. So feel free to reach out, podcast at debutify.com. I got a plus for you. One particularly insightful point about employee satisfaction is that remote work can be such an incentive, some employees would forego a raise or even take a pay cut just to work from home. Mind you, a lot of these pro-cons are pre-COVID. The irony is that at one point, people were this keen on working from home instead of at the office. Now it's likely their only option. A couple of negatives around this went out. Developing trust can be more of a challenge. With a lack of person-to-person -person interaction, managers may have a harder time feeling like they have the loyalty of their employees. 
GrooveHQ.com makes an important point about company culture, especially a startup company where it's young and still finding its voice. By not having people together under one roof, we miss out on creative conversation. The article says it best, so I quote, The more exposure team members have to each other, the more developed and defined that culture becomes. Masterclass.com recommended routine video group calls to keep people in close contact, and not necessarily business-related calls, just how you doing? How are the kids? Last point on this, and then we move on to the next subject. Not being able to work in an office environment also makes it difficult to organically make relationships with other companies. I was pretty fortunate to work in a shared office zone. There's no reason really not to tell you. It was a WeWork. Other businesses would put on events to make acquaintances. Not that every interaction in the mutual break room turns into a great working relationship, but you can learn from one another. Next are the points related to the effect on the employee side regarding their life. I mean, I guess technically everything is kind of counted in that so far, but once you hear the points, I think you'll understand the reason why I have them separated. Medio.com's first point is weighing on the ability for employees to work whenever they please, which we've talked about before. It can boost productivity, but it also boosts autonomy. It gives employees the feeling that they have more control over their lives, because they do. DMP.com points out to the issue of social isolation as a negative. Now, I can see this being more pronounced an issue if, say, a bunch of people work in office and a few people work remote. That would be the issue at its worst, but generally the concern is that a lot of work is being done alone. And that can be especially difficult, as we mentioned before, regarding extroverts. So one way this can be alleviated is to do what I used to do back in my 20s, where we would all just hang out on a Skype call just for the sake of it. According to Medio.com, the flexibility employees initially come to remote work for may end up being a hindrance. If employees aren't exercising restraint, they could end up losing entire days worth of productivity just by small distractions adding up, like YouTube or social media. On the plus side, of course, by the same article, not all distractions or diversions are unwelcome or unnecessary. By being at home, let's say, an employee may decide it's no longer worth paying for daycare, and working from home can attend to the needs of the child on their own. I think we can all agree that's a fair proposition for the parent, and no one wants a parent to not take care of their child. Long as the parent can balance it out, of course. A negative for you. Keeping in line with this thread, Medio.com then points out that the line between work and life becomes a lot more blurry. Employees are more prone to be in communication with the company not only during work hours, but during breakfast. This may make it difficult for the employee to feel like they've exited the work mindset. I remember specifically when I started freelancing. I was at a Halloween party and I was getting texted by one of my pushier clients. And that sudden shift in mindset pretty much took me out of the event mentally. Though I don't think it made me leave physically as well. And then there was this other time. Same client. Same situation. Texting me at a retirement party for one of my relatives. And being young and somewhat desperate to make my foray foray into freelancing work, I ended up exiting the hall where the party was and asked one of the staff members if there was a computer I can access so that I can sign into a WordPress account to make the fix. I returned to the party 15 minutes later. Well, okay, put it this way. I don't miss working for him. The last point, when it comes to food, I've seen cases on both sides. Some people might end up eating better at home because they can do food prep and might be more tempted to buy food if they're working in the office. Others might do better at making their meals to bring to work, but if they're at home all the time, they might be tempted to clean out the junk and leave the good stuff. Same goes for exercise. Some people might be better off working at the office so that they can hit the gym after. Others might be more willing to exercise if they're at home and just want to do some simple exercises there instead. 
A couple of points in regards to the technology side. On the plus side, teleconferencing technology may not have at first realized its own importance, but now its usefulness cannot be understated. But there's downsides. Provided by dmb.com, there's security issues, hardware and connectivity. On the security front, a main company headquarters, while not impenetrable, it is easier for a company to keep secure all of its assets because they're all within its control. However, as company documents are being sent through the internet and people have varying degrees of security within their own equipment, that does open up more vulnerabilities. Companies are also trusting that the employees have their own gear that's up to the task. But if an employee's machine suddenly goes kaput, it's now completely in the employee's hands to replace them. And then here's an interesting downside from GrooveHQ.com. We know there are benefits to being in an office, but at this point, they deem it virtually impossible to move everyone into one location once they become fully staffed with a global workforce. Suppose you don't really need it, but it's just not going to be an option for you. All right, well, that's all the pros and cons I got for you today. However, I came up with a few new takeaways that popped into my mind as I was working on this. The first is use video whenever you can. When I do interviews, I have a Zoom call going so that it's easier to connect with the guest and have a better sense of how they're reacting to my inquiries. The first couple of ones we did with disembodied voices, and while they turned out good, being able to see one another became an overall better experience. The same goes for meetings. I don't know about you, but I'm not seeing a lot of faces of people I care about, and any connection is a welcome one, so turn those cameras on. There was this one time when we were getting our new internet installed at my parents' house. The first person that I had seen that was a new face in almost a month was the technician. I damn near cried and wanted to hug him, honestly. The second point, when working from home, wear pants. I tend to do a lot of my work in jeans. And while I experience some discomfort, that's kind of the point. A little bit of discomfort, and I only mean a little bit, helps me to stay in a more of a I'm at work mindset than pajamas and a house coat. Since I can end up working pretty late some nights and don't have time for a walk, I find at least changing into pajamas communicates to myself that work is over. And just so you know, I have done work in pajamas plenty of times, but I recommend wearing work-ish clothes. I think that's going to help you a lot. And then the last one I want to tell you, I mean, I had this in my mind beforehand, but I figured now it would be a good time to tell you, is how I manage my schedule. I don't do the bookings. The bookings are done by our producer, John. I can put down what days I'm unavailable, so all the bookings happen within a time frame that I, uh, that I accept. I set about 10 hours of work each day. I don't necessarily get to 10 hours, but I have a wake-up, I have about two hours before I start work, and then I work for three hours, then I take an hour break, then I have a four-hour shift, then another hour break, then a three-hour shift, and then about an hour winding down from bed. Now again, am I working for 10 hours straight? No, but it's giving me a chance to discipline myself and to have a better sense of when I'm going to be working and when am I going to have to leverage that time on a different day. I strongly recommend having a scheduling system for yourself, especially if you're like me and you're given a lot of freedom as to where and when you get things done. As always, thanks for listening. Is there a pro or con I missed? Probably. I'm not perfect. But please, you know what to do. Podcast at debutify.com. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. 
Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.